This morning's scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. We are very grateful for the number of visitors that come our way from week to week. If you are in the process of looking for a church home, we would love to have you consider the work here. I know that the elders here would be more than happy to sit down and discuss with you the many opportunities for service in this congregation. Before I begin today, let me just very quickly express appreciation to the Ray family for opening their home to the teenagers on Friday evening. There were, there were uh, a large number of young people present, uh, several uh, family members represented, and for that, we are grateful. And we appreciate so much them hosting this gathering. I thought that uh, the turnout was excellent. And we are very thankful for our young people, and it is our prayer that they will grow as Jesus did, as Luke records in Luke 2, verse 52. Let me also mention the fact that our newsletter is now on the uh, table in the foyer for our young people. And those of you that are parents, we want to encourage you to take one of these newsletters. Uh, this work is a very transparent work, and I think anything that we do in the church needs to be very transparent. We need to see and know exactly what's going on, and so we want everyone to be abreast of what's taking place with the young people here at Olive Branch, and we would love to uh, have many more young people come and be a part of this program. In our study today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. The theme of our study today, what's in it for us? And really, this is the basis of the Apostle Peter's question on behalf of the other disciples. What's in it for us, Lord? You and I, we live in a world today in which many times, based on certain situations, we will ask, what's in it for us? I think about individuals that sit down and talk with a prospective employer. And during the process of that interview, the employer will discuss certain responsibilities and, and things that that individual will have to do on that particular job. And then the prospective employee may in turn ask, well, what's in it for me? And I think that that's only natural, that we want to know what's in it for us. By way of Christianity, there are a lot of positive things that you and I can accentuate from a biblical standpoint concerning why one should be a follower of Jesus. And we talk about all of the great blessings that are, that are in Christ Jesus. And so it's only natural that somebody might ask, well, what's in it for me? If I become a follower of the Lord, what then can I expect? And so with this in mind, I want you to look with me at Luke 18. In verse 28, the first thing that I want us to consider together is what we give up. There are some things we have to give up. 
if we want to be a follower of Jesus, then we have to give up some things. Well, here's the question. What do I have to give up? What do you have to give up? If you want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, what are you called upon to give up? Let me summarize it in one word. All. A-L-L. Look at verse 28. Then Peter said, see, we have left all, A-L-L, and followed you. If you want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to leave all. You have to be willing to forsake all and follow the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This idea of self-denial entails leaving, forsaking all. And that's what Peter is saying. Peter, along with the other 11 disciples, they were the apostles as you and I know them. And they had literally left all to follow the Lord. What are some things that you and I, as the people of God, must be willing to leave? When we talk about this word all, what does that encompass? Number one, we might have to leave our fortune. That is, we may have to walk away from material things, from money. Take, for example, what is said in verse 18 and following in Luke 18. We read of, a, of an individual coming to Jesus and asking the question. He said, good master, what must I do? What, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded by saying, why do you call me good? There is none good save one that is God. Now, Jesus here is not saying that there, that there were no other good people upon this earth, but what he was saying is this. From an absolute, from an absolute vantage point, there is only one who is good, that being God. He is good in the absolute sense of the word. All right? Jesus then responded by saying, you know the commandments? Well, what were those commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. The man responded by saying, all these have I kept from my youth. But Jesus said, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. The Bible says when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Jesus then, after having seen the sorrow in his heart, said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus saying here? He is saying that there are some people that are going to allow money and materialism to drive a wedge between them and following him. That was the problem with this individual. He was a very rich person. And he was not willing to part with those riches. Apparently Jesus saw that they potentially caused some type of problem or could pose some kind of spiritual problem in his life. And so he said, what you need to do is go and sell all that you have, distribute that to the poor, follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. He wasn't willing to do that. 
And so it may be that you and I, we have to make a conscious decision that we're going to walk away from some things like our fortune, our money, our materialism, if that impedes our service to God. Another thing that we might have to forsake to follow Jesus, it might be that we have to walk away from family members and even friends. Now, is that always easy to do? Absolutely not. But Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not or love less father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus here is stressing the idea that if we're going to follow him, he has to be preeminent. That is, he has, he has to take preeminence even when it comes to those earthly relationships. Again, is that easy to do? No, it's not. Did you know that there are people in the body of Christ that have been ostracized by family and friends because they made the decision to become a follower of the Lord? Peter said, Lord, we have left all and followed you. All for you may be walking away from your fortune if that would impede your service to the Lord. Walking with the Lord may impede that you forsake certain family members. Also, there's the concept that some people might have to walk away from fame or prominence in the world. There was a preacher here in the Memphis area many years ago, the late Emerson J. Estes. I'm told that Brother Estes had a conversation with an individual on one occasion the man that he had a conversation with was wanting to, to get into the country music business. Brother Estes warned him about the dangers associated with the entertainment industry. Now, does that mean that someone cannot be a part of the entertainment industry and not be a follower of the Lord? No, it doesn't. But it could become a barrier in our service to the Lord. There are, there are people today that are in entertainment that have left the Lord. Why? Because of the appeal of the world, because of their fame. Well, Brother Estes warned this gentleman about the dangers associated with the entertainment industry, and so that man left that pursuit. Here's what Jesus said. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You and I today, we might enjoy power and prestige and prominence. We may be world famous, but if we lose our soul, what have we gained? There's another thing that we might have to give up to follow the Lord. We might have to walk away from the faith of our family. Now think about that for a moment. Let me give you what I believe to be a classic example of this. You can read in the book of Philippians in chapter 3 of Paul's pedigree as a Jew. He was a Hebrew among the Hebrews. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He had been trained at the feet of Gamaliel. And yet this man willingly converted 
to Christianity. It was said of him in Galatians chapter 1 at verse 23, and Paul is recounting this story. He said that they had heard that he which once destroyed the faith was now preaching it. Would it be easy to walk away from the faith of your family members? No, it wouldn't. But you see, when we come to learn the truth of Almighty God, it may be the case that here's a person, they are out in the world, maybe they're in denominationalism. And they come to hear what the Bible has to say about entrance into the body of Christ. They learn about the one church, the one body. They learn about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And they have to make a conscious decision that they're going to follow the Lord. Several years ago, I was in Chattanooga, I think for a gospel meeting. And there was an individual that happened to be sitting by me at a preacher's luncheon. And he talked about how the woman that he had married was the daughter of a denominational preacher. And he said that when they converted to Christ, that her family basically disowned her. Jesus would have us to follow him at all cost. Listen again to what Peter said. We have left all, all, have you left all to follow the Lord? So number one, what we give up. Number two, what we give in. And by this I, I simply mean, what is it we have to give? What does the Lord call upon us to give to Him? I would submit unto you that we must give Him our absolute adoration. He must be preeminent in our lives. Listen again to what Peter said. Lord, we have left all, now listen to him, and followed you. We've left all, Lord, and done what? And followed you. Let me use one word to help to drive this point home. By way of an acronym, I want you to think about the word first. And each letter in that particular word stands for something. Because you see, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That word first means in place, in time, in order, in terms of our priorities. Jesus must be first. And so I think that's a fitting word to use. So as you and I think about what we must give the Lord, number one, the letter F. I would submit unto you that this would suggest our focus. In Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 1, the writer said, Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and the weight that doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. That word, looking, carries with it the idea of taking our eyes off of one thing and putting them on another. You and I must make Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the focal point of our life. We must live for Him. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2 verse 20. It is Christ that liveth in me. Is Jesus the focal point of your life? Number two, the letter I. This has to do with our intellect. Now, Christianity entails a response from the head and the heart. And there are some people, they have, they have what the Bible says in their head, but it's not in their heart. It's got to be in your head and in your heart. It's not enough to just know the Word of God. The Word of God must reign in your life. Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 22, loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And so, what about our intellect? The Bible challenges us to grow spiritually, to grow in our spiritual intellect. Let me ask this question. How much have you grown over the past year? Are you stronger today than you were this time last year? Do you know more about what the Bible has to say today than you did last December? Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3 verse 18. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 that we are to study. The psalmist said he meditated on the law of Jehovah day and night. Psalm 1 verse 2. In Psalm 119, 97, he said, It is my meditation all the day. Are you growing intellectually? It was said of Jesus that he grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God and man. Have you grown spiritually? And so, the letter F, the letter I, and then the letter R. The letter R stands for reverence. Reverence is a very important word in the Bible. And what I would suggest unto you is that we must learn to reverence the Lord. We need to see Jesus as the divine Son of God. Simon Peter, on one occasion, was asked by Jesus, Who do you say that I am? And here's what Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You and I need to pause in our busy world and reflect upon the deity of Jesus Christ. I said just a moment ago that we talk about what we must give up, what we give up, and then what we give in. What we give in is our adoration. If you love the Lord, if He is preeminent in your life, if you reference Him as deity, we're not going to have a problem with service. We're not going to have a problem with you or with me being faithful to the Lord. And so reverence. And then the letter S. The letter S stands for support. 
Did you know that what the Lord wants from us in His body is to be supportive? The Lord wants you and me working together, building the body of Christ. Now we do that by what? By joining hands together, working together, like the people in the days of Nehemiah who had a mind to work. You and I today, we have to be supportive of the work of the Lord. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. He said, He who is not with me is against me. Amos asked, Can two walk together except they be agreed? This congregation cannot move forward, cannot grow spiritually or numerically if we're not working together, blending together, and going in the same direction. We have got to be together in the faith. We've got to be together in our actions. That means we've got to be supportive. We've got to support what's going on here. We've got to begin by supporting the leadership that is the elders. Let me just make this statement. I have absolute unequivocal confidence in our leaders. And you need to have that same kind of confidence in these men. Why do I say that? The church can, can rise no higher than her leadership. You and I, we need to trust these men. We need to trust these men. We need to trust that they have the wisdom and the spiritual knowledge to lead us from point A to point B. We've got to have that kind of confidence in these men. That they understand the dynamics of the work of the church. Sometimes it's easy to sit back and criticize what's going on in the church. There's some people, they're very cynical. They are, they're cynical about everything and every work that's undertaken. We don't need cynicism. Sometimes there, there is such a thing as justifiable criticism. But criticism and cynicism will kill a church. So we've got to be supportive. We've got to work together. We've got to do everything we can to build the work of the church. Why? Because the church belongs to whom? Does it belong to me? No, it's not my church. It's not the church of the elders. It's not the church of the deacons. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. It's His body. Remember when Saul of Tarsus was persecuting the church and the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so we have to do everything we can to build up the body. And then finally, the letter T, which stands for trust. We need to deepen our trust in the Lord. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. I would encourage you, as well as me, deepen your trust in the Lord in the new, in the new year. Come to depend on Him more greatly each and every day. I really believe that you and I, sometimes we... We walk by sight and not faith. And yet the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. 
So what we want to do is deepen our trust in the Lord. All right. We've asked the question, what do we give up? What do we give in? Now here's the third question. What do we get out? And by this I mean what do we get out of it? What's in it for me? What can you expect if you follow the Lord, if you're a servant of the Lord, what can you expect to get out of it? Listen to what Jesus said. Peter said, Lord, we've left all and followed you. He said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time. Number one, what can you expect out of following the Lord? You can expect an abundant life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10. An abundant life begins here. How can you and I enjoy an abundant life? Well, number one, we can enjoy an abundant life when we escape sin and are blessed with pardon. Pardon from every sin. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. You can expect, by way of an abundant life, pardon from sin. Number two, you can expect peace with God. In Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, the Bible talks about how being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the peace that passes all understanding. And you and I, we can enjoy that. And then we have the promise of His protection in Hebrews chapter 13. To know that you and I do not have to go through this life alone. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? You and I, we can have that kind of protection. We can enjoy pardon, we can enjoy peace, and we can enjoy protection. That's the abundant life. And then also, there is the afterlife. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, you will receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come everlasting life. That's the afterlife. To know that when you and I die, we go to paradise. We go to be with the Lord. We have before us the promise of heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You and I, we have the promise of afterlife. There are people today that ask the question, what about, what, what's going to happen to me when I die? Where will I be? There are some people today cynically will say, at death, we simply go off into oblivion. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. God has made that kind of promise to you and to me. And so today we ask the question, what's in it for us? What's in it for you? What's in it for me? Well, there's a lot in it for us. The question is, have we tapped into it? There are some people that will sit down at a job interview and they'll hear about the job and they'll, they'll come to find out about all of the great benefits and blessings associated with that job. And they want to know, where do I sign on the dotted line? Well, it may be that you think about signing on with the Lord today. Maybe you're not a Christian. What would you need to do? The Bible says you need to believe Jesus is the Son of God. John 8, 24. 
You need to be willing to repent, to turn away from a life of sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then be immersed in a watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. When you do that, the Lord will then add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. If you're here today and you're not maybe faithful to the Lord, maybe you've forgotten about all of those great blessings in Christ and you've walked away from the Lord. Well, let me tell you what. You have the time and the opportunity to come home. And we want to encourage you to do that, to come back to the Lord who will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing for your encouragement.